Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 45 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we're talking about the history of cell phones. I am Joe Morata, alongside our own cell phone, Casanova, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Hi. Uh, Hi. Uh, what, ring, what? ring, ring, ring. Yeah, banana phone. Thank you guys so much for putting up with this intro and for being yeah. with us here as we uh, we get into the history of cell phones. If this happens to be your first time, we are a retro pop culture celebration each week is something completely different. And we have 44 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives. So if you're not interested in cell phones, you can take a look back and find all sorts of stuff. Video games. Who doesn't like cell phones? I mean, they're pretty neat. Well, I'd say they're ubiquitous, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. And we're going to talk all about that history. But before we do that, I want to remind you, whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, to follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast. And also join our Facebook group if you want to talk to other retro pop culture fanatics about old crap. Yeah, old crap, home crap home. Home crap home over there on Facebook. Acid Wash Memories, join the group, we'll let you in. It really is a pleasant time, I've noticed. Oh, it's very pleasant. Since we've been doing this, mm-hmm. it's no one argues, like there's no- The, the pleasantest. It's very pleasant. That's that's a word. Yeah, that's a new the, word the that we made up today, the pleasantest. So join the pleasantest group on Facebook, Acid Wash Memories. And that is it for the, uh, the particulars, mm-hmm. Michael Quinn. So, cell phones. I have one. I got one, too. You have one, too? Radio Shack keeps you in constant communication with their affordable, transportable cellular telephone. I would even wager that some of you out there are listening to this on your phone. Yeah. A good many. probably not even the original intended purpose of a cell phone. But no, no. The original intended purpose of a cell phone was more emphasis on the phone the aspect. The phone aspect, yes. Yes. You can see it's a very small unit. This one happens to flip down. They call it a flip phone. There are an estimated five and a half billion unique cell phone users worldwide wow. as of press time. Yeah. To even think like 20 years ago, 20 years ago, that was still the 2000s, right? Yeah. Still the 21st century. It was a fraction of that amount. <laughs> like, yeah, even 20 years, like, 20 which years isn't that ago. long ago, right? No. People be like, what are you, some kind of rich guy with your cell phone? Who has a cell phone? Right. Who what, texts? Do, you got, do business? <laughs> or are you in the drug trade? Like <laughs> The trade. That's a very right, polite yeah, way to put it. You, you know what the like connotations of oh, like, I the, do. the early cell phones were. I absolutely do. I have a drug dealer. I have his phone number in my address book, but I don't know what to call him. But like I said, today they're ubiquitous. So much so that we simply just usually call cell phones the phone it's yeah. your phone now no, right i don't have a landline i no. haven't for years because i was like why that's a needless expense. it's superfluous yeah. yeah the cell part of this description is no longer needed uh so we're going to talk about the history and the explosion of popularity of the cell phone but before we do so quinn i have a very important question what is a phone call well it's when you dial and it comes after the dialing okay. the call yep i guess it's the session when you're talking to somebody what might you be it's talking about call. uh chips I'm going to be at your house in five minutes. Oh, I'll be at your house. Okay. Like stuff like that. Maybe like highfalutin business calls too. Or maybe you just want to catch up with a, a friend or family member about things. Yeah, that's true. Like you just have a conversation. You catch up and you put some mustard on that call. Stop. It's really, uh, really relish it. Shut up. We covered it in the landline, but it is a kind of a, an awesome technology if you think about it, right? To, to talk to somebody that could be two blocks away or 2000 miles away. It, it reconnects people. It reconnects people. And cell phones, 
they were around maybe longer. The technology started being developed a lot longer than you guys might think. But first, a brief recap of the telephone in mm-hmm. general. It was experimented with in the 1800s, especially the latter part of the 19th century. Yep. They had a cup, and then they put, yeah. a, they put a, a string on it. Alexander Graham Bell was involved, yeah. and people like that. Bell and Ma Bell, of yeah. course, you know, good old Ma mm-hmm. Bell. Ma. And the telephone in general really started to get more widespread adoption. I'd say post-World War One, and definitely throughout the 30s and 40s. Right. And really became commonplace after that. You know how you know something's old? When you're watching a play about something old, like I'm thinking of Mary Poppins specifically, that they had a phone in the hallway, and I'm like, this is supposed to take place in the 1800s, and they got a a phone. They had a phone. That became the de facto standard. You know, Uh everyone had, for the most part, a landline telephone, but cell phones were in development during the height of telephones. Not only that, they were in development during the infancy, yes, of telephony. Um, Telephony? (laughs) That's what I used to call it. Telephony, yes. Yeah, telephony. Shit. I can tell a phony from the real deal. Fuck, I see two phonies right here. The uh, early experiments date back to 1917. Wow, really? In Finland. Very clean country. How do you get power to that thing? (laughs) Well, there was a man, a Finnish man, named Eric Tigerstedt. And he was essentially the Finland's version of Thomas Edison. Tigerstedt? Tigerstedt, yes. That's a name. Probably Tigerstedt. Yeah. Now, he mainly had worked in the sound and communication fields, but he did develop in 1917 a patent for a pocket-sized folding telephone. Hmm. Never went anywhere. Wow. You could say it never got finished. I mean, the battery would have been the size of a room back then. (laughs) (laughs) All things considered. Uh, Meanwhile, in Germany, wireless telephony was being tested, and this continued into the 1920s, and by World War II... The militaries, various militaries, were using radio telephony, an early version of what we'd later have, but they were using handheld radio transceivers. You might commonly know these devices as walkie-talkies. Yes, walkie-talkies. The latest version of the wartime walkie-talkie. This little unit, the handy-talkie, is a complete battery-powered two-way radio telephone. An early primitive to version. To me, the of this. original talk to someone on a portable thing. Yep. Right. When I was a kid, if somebody had a walkie-talkie set and we played with it. Yeah. You know, this is awesome. Same here. And they obviously operate on a very uh, limited spectrum, and you can pick up interference easily and eavesdrop the easily. The distance isn't super long. And either. the distance is the biggest. I mean, it was thing. usually like it's usually like if you're like camping or something right. like that, right? <laughs> yes. It's like you're in a campsite. Yeah. It's like this limited area. It's it's far enough away where I can't yell over to you across the way. Right, scare the but bears. But it, it, it's short enough so that the machinery works. Right, you can page your friend on the walkie-talkie and say, hey, you want some s'mores? Yeah, And they exactly. say, yeah, I want some more of those s'mores. Really handy in like hilly areas where it's like, I don't want to go walk up that hill if I don't have to. Because then you have to walk back my down My friend's on the walkie-talkie down there. If he could pick me up some uh, milk or something, yeah, I don't know. exactly. We need milk in the woods. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> on ever, top of a hill, definitely. You ever hear that phrase, you need milk on top of a hill in the woods? Yeah, exactly. So Everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> still, still said still, today. It's a common phrase. You need milk on top of a hill in the woods. Dave Thomas is hard at work developing his latest recipe, but he needs some milk on top of a hill in the woods. Boy, if only I had some milk on top of a hill in the woods. Anyway, 
wireless communication was a thing in World War II. And then, of course, Bell Labs got involved. Of course, there they, they are. Of course, they did. The juggernaut, if you will. Honestly, they are funded by the phone company. Yes. It, it, it is within their best interest to uh, innovate the product, if you will. Oh, absolutely. No, Bell Labs is obviously, if you're, if you're not familiar, they were the monopoly on the phone in general, the landline right. phone. But for Bell Labs isn't even just that. Bell Labs is a monopoly on like technology. Technology development and R&D. Like, and they invented the transistor. Yeah. I mean, like this, these are simple, basic building blocks of like everything. Yeah, they're not some Johnny-come-lately. Yeah. They came firstly, even. Yeah. You know, they were early. But they got involved in this whole thing in the 1940s and developed a system where people could make calls from their car. The car phone. The car phone, that's right. Yeah. We got uh, Johnny on the car phone. What's up, Johnny? Yeah, Mike, how are you? Fine. Listen, I was wondering if you had some milk on top of a hill in the woods. And the first car phone call happened on June 17th, 1946. Wow. In St. Louis, Missouri. Now, see, I see this as a great idea, right? Because the car has electricity, right? Uh, yes, you know, to start the engine, right? So it has a, yeah, battery, a battery and all this business, electrical right? Electrical elements, of course. And, and not to mention, you you can get power from the engine as well room, in room. any car. Yeah, V6, right? V8. So now you're, you are portable technically, right? You, you have wheel, four wheels and an engine and you can go places <laughs> and you can talk. That's right. So you have the power now, but now we got the signal to worry about, right? Got the signal to worry about. Now, this is obviously also very limited, but AT&T, being AT&T, turned this into the MTS, the Mobile Telephone Service. Now, let's talk about this early car phone system, okay? Mm -hmm. The thing weighed... 80 pounds. I mean, does that matter much if the phone's in your no, car? because your car's You're dragging not actually it around. Carry, your car's no. carrying it around, not you. But just to give an idea of the cumbersome technology involved here. Right. You know, that's that's a big boy. 80-pound well, phone. A whopping Quinn. Three channels for everyone to use. Hmm. Three. Three whole channels. Three whole channels. And it operated on VHF signals. And because of this limited spectrum... It quickly reached capacity, even with a relatively low install base of 5,000 users. But you could call regular people, right? Like, you could call the regular <laughs> line, so it's not like only 5,000. No, no, no. Oh, I can only call 5,000 car phone no, users. No, it wasn't that. But calls were put uh, through manually with an operator. And the way it worked, in case you guys are interested, is basically the, the called party had to be, obviously, at their phone if you were calling the car phone. So, mm -hmm. like, let's say you want to call your husband in the car phone, tell him to bring home some milk from the hill in the woods. Yes. Right? So, he'd have to have the unit on, first of all, very right. important. Have to have the volume set at a level that allowed you to notice that the phone was ringing because you might be driving with the windows open. True. Or blasting the Glenn Miller band. Yeah, I mean, you, you could be doing anything. <laughs> On your AM and we didn't have any of those like interrupts like we do nowadays like, oh, no. where, the, where oh, the sound goes down to tell you a call's coming. No, no, you're going to hear those horns blaring if yeah. you're listening to your big band. Anyway, if the called party that's the guy in the car, heard the incoming call. They would then use their microphone on their car phone to announce that they were receiving a call. And what would happen is an operator would intercept that and would connect the two parties, monitor the end of the call so they know how long you talked, and then you would get billed for it. Huh. Honestly, though, if you think about it, right? I'm thinking. This operator thing, this is the 40s, you said? 40s, 50s, yeah. The operator's not too far flung. We don't have much of a dialing system at this point. So, oh, absolutely. The the common users like this is just like the regular telephone. Using like, there's not this is not different. No, using an operator is still pretty commonplace, right? Yeah. Now, would you be interested in the cost of this unit, Michael Quinn? Oh God, all of this? It's, it's probably like ten thousand dollars in the forties, which means it's probably like a hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's interesting. It's not as bad as you would think, all things considered. So, at the time. 
$15 per month was your subscriber fee. Of course. That would be $236 a month now. Okay. Now, if you think about what people pay for cell phones now, I'm not saying it's $236 mm-hmm. for a single phone, but- Well, for a family plan. Yeah. Or for, but you're, most people got to be paying a, a buck, buck 25, right? Yeah. For their but phone. But this is just for one phone. That is kind of expensive. It is expensive, but it's not as exorbitant as you might think, you yeah. know? And calls were 35 cents per call, local calls, that oh, is. Oh, just for, they didn't get you on the minute, huh? Not at the time, no. Uh, Good. And that would be the equivalent of $5.50 per call today. Huh. So pricier than we would be used to now, but not horrendous if you really think about not it. Not horrendous, but still, I mean, like, there's a lot of people like, what, like, why do I need this? Why do I need this? Because there's still we're, we're still in an age where there's phones on the side of the road and stuff. Payphones, yeah, payphones, they exist. And ever they, heard of them? Yeah, <laughs> you ever hear of the payphone? Let's do the history of the payphone. No, but I, it is. I think you just nailed it, Quinn. Why do I need this? Is probably yeah. the prevailing thought because a you had a limited just by the limit of the technology, the nature of the technology, you had a limited amount of people that could use it right. because of the bandwidth, right? Mm-hmm. Literally the bandwidth. Uh, but not only that, what are you really using it for in 1948? Well, I can see like uses for like businesses or something. I think so. Or like or government officials actually, but it seems Even way, more so. way more like a police officer, maybe an ambulance. Yes. Like that kind of thing. Or even like the park services where, you know, a situation where you're out in the open, but you can't get to a phone, but maybe you need to report, hey, these trees are on fire or something, right? Like yes. the, the, the ranger could have it in his truck. Like things like this. Like they sound like really <laughs> outlandish, but there are people that this is their profession, right? I just love the casual nature. Uh, hi, yeah, this is park ranger Bill. Uh these trees are on fire. Yeah. Can, can you get we, need to get, we need to get the <laughs> fire department this? out here. Uh, in 1965, AT&T announced the brand new IMTS. And the I stood for improved, the improved oh, mobile telephone better. system. Yes. Uh, more channels, which allows by default for more calls. And AT&T actually capped their uh, subscriber limit at 40,000 people nationwide. Hmm. So that's a yeah, big increase. They capped it, meaning it probably could have gone further. Probably could have gone further, eight times more. In fact, it definitely could have gone further, Quinn, because in the 1970s, there were actually waiting lists to be on this car phone really? service. People sometimes had to wait up to two, three years to get service. Those who think getting a car phone is not for them, whatever the reason, haven't kept up with the booming industry of cellular radio telephones. See, it's weird. Now we get to the 60s and people want this thing. They can't even give enough of them. Well, we all know about those crazy turbulent 60s, man. Things yeah. were changing. They were a changing quickly. Well, people were going cross-country more, too, to go to their protests and all That's their true. 60s stuff. Going to hate Ashbury and get, stuff get like that. Get some acid or whatever. Get some acid. Exactly right. Call their dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, meanwhile, to compete against the Ma Bell juggernaut, uh, there was something established known as Radio Common Carrier. This was in the late 60s by some of the independent phone companies, and it didn't, it was whatever. It was like the lower alternative to IMTS. But during all of this that we're talking about with the car phone service, a different concept was being worked on, and that would be known as the cellular Ah, network. cellular. Cellular. I know that. Yes, you do. Early Bell Lab engineers were working on this in the 40s. One of their engineers, very fittingly, and I'm not making this up, was named Douglas Ring. Huh. I thought you were going to say his name was Alexander Sell. Alexander Sell, yes. Yeah. Uh, and the idea here, <laughs> the idea here, because again, when we were talking about the car phone system, the MTS and all that, we're talking about radio frequencies that are just in the air, you know, mm-hmm. like like TV and like radio are, right? 
I like radio. The idea here was to break up transmitter signals into hexagonal cells. Of, hmm. They would use this for the car phone initially, and no further work was done from the 40s until the 60s, at which point a new batch of Ma Bell engineers came up with the idea of cellular towers, which would use these specific directional antennas, right? And what this would do is reduce the interference among the signals right. and allow for switching, reusing channels. Right. It's a, it's a network, if you will. It's a network. A cell network. The cool thing about this, too, is it's like, I believe the calls weren't like through the radio, the kind of old way, right? Right. Like, what these towers are to this day, there's just like a landline connection, like in the tower. To the to, tower, to, yeah. To the regular. So you're just... You're just contacting the tower to give you a connection to the landline, so you're part of the system. That's exactly right? what it is, yeah. In in basic terms, that's what it is. There's a network of different landlines on each tower, basically, mm-hmm. and you're calling into it. And because of the way the signal is broken up and distributed, it allows it to reach different people. Right, and the switching also allows for, say, you're in a car, and you're moving, and you're going distances, Yep. so each tower can pick up the next and it's all seamless it's like it's not like you hear like it's not like when you're on a cell phone and you're in the car you hear it click every time right. it's like going to the next tower now if you recall about 20 years ago there used to be dropped calls sometimes yeah. and that's what would happen but right. that's that's not a thing anymore really not not with the network yeah. has spread out or yeah. whatever but you know when they were starting this there wasn't like you said they didn't plan to use the cell at first. They, no. they went the other direction with it, like radio, radio waves, waves and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But the distance just couldn't handle it. And neither could the bandwidth. Now, it's also important to remember that while all of this that we're talking about is going on, the mobile phone, right? AT&T's mobile telephone system, it was limited to phones that were installed in cars or a vehicle of some kind. Yeah. There was no handheld mobile phone yet. Right. But in 1968, a Motorola engineer by the name of Martin Cooper, a champion of technology, cellular technology, he began work to develop the first true handheld phone because in his words, Quinn, the cellular phone should be a personal telephone, something that would represent an individual. So you could assign a number to it, not to a place, not to a desk, not to a car, not to a home, but to a person. Your own private phone. Good old Marty Cooper here was thinking, huh? I mean, that's how it is now, is it not? He was right right on the money. Nobody ever loses their number anymore. No, you don't have to. Yeah. So on April 3rd, 1973, for those of you date people, as part of a public demonstration after five years of work on Mm -hmm. his prototype, he called his chief rival, Bell Labs, because remember, he's Motorola. Right. He called, called Alexander Cell. <laughs> yeah, he called Alexander Cell while standing in the streets of Midtown Manhattan on his brand new mobile telephone known as the Dynatac. Aha. Uh-huh. I've heard of this model before. Everyone has. So the original Dynatac, we're going right. to talk about in a second here, was gigantic. But I mean, listen. It worked. For, when did he start doing the 68? He developed it in 68. Started. Yeah. Started. I don't, when did he finish? 73. 73. Listen, that's pretty small for that time. Yeah, if you've ever like, seen... you don't understand. Like, it's not like they... It's not like we have, like, itty-bitty miniature everything back then. Absolutely. Right? Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, just picture the Zach Morris telephone. Yeah, it's essentially that. Yeah. It, it's a little bit bigger. But how did this work, right? Because there's no... AT&T is doing the MTS or the IMTS by that right. point. And he's in the street. How did they do this? So they had a base station set up, Motorola did, installed on the roof of a building in yep. New York. Because you only need one tower, technically, Correct. Right, to test it. And it was connected to an AT&T landline. 
Right, and exactly. And that's how it worked. Exactly. His phone connected to that base station, which then fed into the landline. It's and a very simple system. I mean, if you think about it, it's just it a bunch of towers hooked up to landlines. That's all it is. Right? It's not like it's like off of the, it's not like its own separate network off the grid no. of the, the regular telephone system. Absolutely right. I took a chance and called Joel Engel. Dr. Engel uh, was running the AT&T program. And I said, hi, Joel, it's Marty Cooper. Hi, Marty, he says. I'm calling you from a cell phone, but a real cell phone. A personal, handheld, portable cell phone. There was silence at the other end of the line. To this day, Joel doesn't remember that call. Now, his initial prototype uh, was four pounds, just to give you guys an idea of the mm-hmm. size. It was big. But that's, It's again, still, it's like Quinn like said. This early 70s, like... Did you see what TVs looked like yeah. back then? And they computers. were computers. Like, yeah, they were they were like five hundred pounds. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous. You need to have a friend help you move it, like within your house. Yeah. In comparison, like this is insane. Yeah. Like also seventy three. We're pre like Apple two and like oh hell you know, yeah. Like, the PC didn't exist. Absolutely right? not. It's like we're and those were small computers. Right. And this is has a computer in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like this is kind of nuts. It's very nuts. So and Motorola knew they had something here because for the next 10 years, they invested hundreds of millions of dollars into getting this prototype that Martin Cooper had made into a market ready commodity. They should have. I mean, you can kind of see the potential as soon as, like, if someone were to bring this to a meeting of investors. Oh, my goodness. And just, like, in the 70s, right? This looks itty-bitty in comparison to, you know, any other mobile phone. What about the 80-pound car phone? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's literally mobile. Like, it's got a battery on it, and you can take it in the streets and yes. talk to people. This seems like... Hey, we got it. The guy made the thing. Like, let's let's put the money in, he right? He made the thing. Yeah. It's actually mobile. It's not in a car. Yeah. You can walk around while talking. Mm-hmm. Not in your house. Pile no the line. money in, right? Pile them. Where do I sign up? No, no. Where do I sign up to deliver you a grade A certified ass whipping? So meanwhile, Bell Labs was developing the cellular technology with its AMPS system. AMPS standing for Advanced Mobile Phone System. And its first test system was released in Chicago in 1979, and Motorola worked with Bell Labs here to provide phones for the system. So they were working together. Bell Labs and Motorola worked together on developing the first cellular network. Motorola doing the phones, Mm -hmm. Bell Labs doing the actual network. I mean, Motorola at the time, they were well known for their Z80 processor and all that, right? right. It's like, they were a computer company. They were, like they, They... you know, these microcomputers, they would be needed to operate this yes. thing, right? And it wouldn't be fit them and it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense for them to try to step on Bell Labs and develop the right. the cellular network. That's Bell that's like right up their alley. Right. I mean totally the, the network is Bell. Yeah. Exactly. Obviously. I mean yeah. it's already like built on the back of the Bell system anyway. Even right. just like if we take out the new fancy cell technology, it's still, right? the Bell, it's still man. on it's still connected to the Bell system. It's Alexander Graham Bell, not Alexander Graham Cell. Not yeah, not him. Not him. Different guy. Yeah, ha ha ha. Uh so the first cell phone network though, actual network, not this prototype in Chicago in seventy nine was made by the NTT in Japan. That's a Nihon Telegraph and Telephone System. Of course, the Japanese get right on this. (laughs) They always do. The Japanese AT&T, basically, is what that Mm -hmm. is, right? Now, both of these, the one that Motorola and Bell were developing, the AMPS and Japan's, 
would both be what we would now retroactively consider 1G technology. Interesting. <laughs> Single G. Hey, that's a G right there. It's though. a G, though. It yeah. is a, a very G. It's very G. Very G, huh? It's loaded. So finally, in 1983, remember, that's 10 years after Marty Cooper's prototype, both Bell Labs and Motorola were ready. And October 13th of that year, 1983, a guy named David Milan placed the first commercial wireless call on the Motorola Dynatac from his 1983 Mercedes-Benz. And the guy that he called, who was Bob Barnett, the former president of Ameritech Mobile, he placed a call on his Dynatac from inside his Chrysler convertible to the grandson of Alexander Graham Bell. Not Graham Cell. Not Graham Cell. No, okay. <laughs> now, by That's this, just making sure. No, just to be clear. Yeah. Now, by this point, the Dynatech that we're talking about is the common one that you guys are thinking about. It's down to only two and a half pounds now. Hey, 50% <laughs> less yeah. already? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's the Technology's Dynatech. moving. It's very good. Dynatech 8000X is the one. That's really the Zach Morris phone. That's like the Gordon Gecko Zach yeah, Morris yeah, phone. Yeah, okay, yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. That, it's that one. This unique cellular portable made by Motorola which weighs only 30 ounces. Industry watchers say there are only a few thousand cellular phones in use right now, but that number is expected to grow considerably within the next few years. What was different, let's talk briefly about the AMPS system, the advanced mobile phone system. The cell centers were assigned channels to handsets based on the signal strength. And what this did is it allowed the same frequency to be reused without interference as long as the locations being used were separated far enough. So the channels were grouped to a specific set, and it was different of the one used on the cell nearby. Hmm. Does that make sense? So basically, all this amounts to, I don't want to bore anyone with the legal, legal with the technical stuff, is that a larger number of phone users can be supported over a geographical area. At the same time. Yeah, the way it broke it up. The cell network. Yes. Here's some of the early limitations. The phones themselves had basically a 30-minute talk time before running out of battery. I, again, the battery technology moves very slowly. It moves slowly now. It still like, does. It's still like, I mean, the reason we have all-day phones is years and years and years and years and years. years and like years. Hundred, like over 100 years of like battery technology. Like they, It moves like at a snail's pace, you're, battery technology. You're absolutely right yeah. about that. And the charging time, 10 hours. That sounds about right. You ever plug in those old power drills? Well, like just to, <laughs> yes, like, it's like, have, why does actually. it take so long to charge <laughs> this stupid thing? It's like, it's just drilling. I don't understand. But you're right. You're yeah. right. You know, I guess that's not too bad if you think about it, because theoretically, you're not going to, you're not using this thing as your primary communication device, right? If you're a gentleman in 1984 or something, right? right. And you have one of these, you're, first of all, you're probably well to do. Right. Maybe work on Wall Street with Gordon Gecko. And you <laughs> you have a, you have a use case most likely like a Gordon Gecko where I got to buy a stock and I got to buy it now, right? right? It's like I can't wait. And it, even, it's literally my business. It's literally my business, my livelihood, right? Yeah. Or even in a casual personal use, maybe you're very briefly calling your wife or something vice versa and saying I'll be home late. Right. 2 minute call not even, right? This device when it's first released, feels very utilitarian, not like just a casual thing people have. It's very 100%. business focused or outdoors focused. Like if you think about it, like it's for like a specific use case. It's for a specific use case. It's not everyday phone, telephony, as we say. <laughs> yeah, telephony. Now, do you think though that that is a cause or an effect? I think it's a technology limitation that it can't initially 
take the place of your regular phone that you use for chatting with mom or whatever, right? From a pricing point of view, though, that's also because of the technology, right? It's just too expensive to make it for the casual user. But even just the limitation of 30-minute talk time. True. Like, it's not... It's use case. It's it, it's the technology can't replace the phone just yet. Like the, the, the primary landline. I'm with you. And they're also still somewhat prone to interference. You know, yeah. it's not interference proof. But at its core, it does the same thing as the phone. It just can't do it as long and as continuous and as reliable. And it doesn't right? sound as good. Yeah. Right. So it's like that can improve. It's right? definitely a leap in the right direction. Right. right? Exactly. From, from it's like we got earlier. the core thing. You can call, you can dial it and call somebody on it. Like, right. right. The core usage of the phone is in this thing. And I guess the stigma too, Quinn, of the 80s was, man, if you had one of these things, you were, you were somebody, right? Well, You're right about yeah, that. Yeah, because obviously the early ones were expensive. Just like with all technology, that's not like some... No. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's exclusive like, to this. Yeah, it's it. whenever technology's new... It's a new market. They have to recoup the research and development and all this shit. Like yeah. they can't, if they're going to make their money back and pay the engineers and all the people who built the thing, they have to, they have <laughs> right? To. They have to. There's no alternative. So around 1990, where again, not a ton of people are using cell phones, amps was phased out and digital amps, yes, D-amps took its place. Uh, but this commonly became known as TDMA, which is Time Division Multiple Access. is just a protocol for how the phone is used. It's not that important. Yeah? Good! Anyway, all of these little things were essentially improvements to the call functionality. And this was really the dawn of the 2G era in the 2G. early... Two, we have two of them Dose now. G. Dose G in the early 1990s. This included digital encryption, more efficient use of the radio spectrum. It's not like you can make the spectrum wider. It just right. used it better. And capability for this new thing called short message service. Aha. Yeah, so I remember when the early cell phones first got this, right? This was like a super basic thing. And I bet kids listening to this like, won't even like believe. Do your homework if you're a kid okay, listening to this. So like, this is texting. SM- he's SMS. Yeah, SMS. Is what, is what he's saying. This is texting, essentially. But, you know, the phones, they only had numbers on them. From my understanding, like the main usage of this was for like the telephone company, the the people fixing it and shit could like communicate with each other without. I think calling. that was the, the yes. It was just like because it's really rudimentary, right? If I want to type C, I got to hit the button three times yes. to hit just to get C, right? Is like and and this was it. This is and and then you hit send. Like that's it. That's all it does. You can you can take forever to type something to somebody. Pick up milk from the hill. In the woods, or you could just call them, which is why, <laughs> which is why it was like really dumb at first, right? It was initially it was very inefficient, right? It's like you have a thing that you can speak on. Like, why would you do this? But it's interesting that it was, it was almost like built into the system. It was right, uh, yeah. It was built into original telephony, and that tells me some engineer somewhere had some foresight to think maybe we need to put the bones of this somewhere in this just in case yeah right and with this digital system that we had moved to it was possible to even do this to begin with and there's probably also another motivation here is sending data exactly not sending analog it, signals that, that's exactly right because along with short message service eventually in the 2g generation also came multimedia messaging service right mms which you can send photos and things Correct. like that. But again, none of these Data. phones could do that. No, and that's interesting to talk about. In the early days, and I'm talking the 80s version of the cell phones, they looked like a cordless phone. 
Yeah. There was no scream, big scream. I remember when we got to like the mid-90s, right? Like 94, 95. I think that's like when my mom got the, her first cell phone. My it was grandfather like this, got one around then too. It was like a Verizon like flip thing. It had like a really tiny like screen on it, but it wasn't like a screen screen. It was like the kind that's like only can show letters and numbers on it. Like a calculator? Like a calculator screen, yeah. right? Get this Motorola cellular flip phone just nine ninety five with three-year Ameritech Time Pack 100 activation. There wasn't something that my mom could flip out so she could type stuff oh, in no. on it or anything. <laughs> no, no. Right? It was just not it was just one through nine and zero pound and, and dash or whatever yeah. the hell the other thing is, right? It was a phone. It was a freaking phone. Yes. Right. I don't even think my mom knew how to text on it because no one did that. No one did that. Who it wasn't like te- who are you texting? It wasn't like anyway. she wasn't in the know. It was right. like nobody did that. Like yeah. it was it, it was stupid. It was like I have a phone. I can talk to some. Why do I need this? Plus, the other thing you guys got to remember is even if you had a cell phone, the people you're calling most of the time might be on a regular landline. So right, who, so you how, can't text them. Who the hell are you texting? I don't know. But again, I, I just think it's fascinating that somebody was smart enough to put this in here. Absolutely, like with the foresight. With right the that maybe the maybe there'll be an easier way to type maybe there'll be an easier way to do this later yeah and it's interesting to see if you look at the if you ever look at just chronology of cell phones just even random ones throughout the 80s into the 90s what happens is the phone aspect gets a little bit smaller a little bit smaller and the screens start getting a little bit bigger a mm-hmm. little bit bigger there's still the green lcd screens yeah. or whatever those are right with the new nokia 7110 in your hand you have the world at your fingertips turn and click to write a message. Use the Navi Roller to select from up to 1,000 names, each with up to five numbers and two rows of text. Also, throughout the 90s, there's like the in-between Gs, like 2.5 and 2.75. Not that important for us nobody to cover was, here. Nobody, nobody was, was talking well, about let, this, let, by the way. Let me be honest with you. Nobody knew what the hell G was until... No iPhone 3G. What right? Like that was the first time I heard yes. it, anyone even say G in relation to cell phones. Yeah, they right? said it like, like G golly. Yeah, like I was like, or like what? rated G. All I knew is it was faster. That's it. That's, That's what the G that was, is, right? It's yes. like the number and the G is how fast it is. That's right? exactly right. Gotta love the down and dirty technical information here, folks. But like we're saying, you know, these phones are still primarily phones that was their usage to begin with right to call people from a place that's not your house but it's interesting that people did have a narrow view already by the time we're in 2g right in the 90s and stuff people really thought oh this is all they are this is great this is perfect they're affordable now and we can use them that's interesting and we're never going to need to do anything else on them <laughs> like that we just i need to call somebody right well, i'm at the movie theater hey i'm yeah. over here you know whatever Pick it me is up I, yeah. I, I have no car i have no pants whatever yeah. the case may be and like quinn said more they became affordable so more and more people usually start to purchase things when they're affordable and as the prices go down and more people get them Things start to happen, but it would prove to be after the turn of the 21st century when people started to get really smart about their phones. And we are going to talk all about that on the other side of this break. In the meantime, go text somebody. Yeah. Call somebody. Text them about this show. Go on the toilet and check the internet. Whatever you got to do. One way or another. Use SMS. (laughs) Use SMS. We will be back for the very exciting second half of the history of cell phones right here with more Acid Washed Memories.
want a cellular phone, but you're afraid of the service plans, activation, the true cost. So you go back and forth and back and forth again. Don't do that. Come into Radio Shack. We'll patiently explain everything you need to know about going cellular. And we can even sign you up. You'll see that not only are cellular phones nothing to be afraid of, they're actually quite friendly. Radio Shack. You've got questions, we've got answers. Wall Street. We're going down the drain, okay? The stock is plummeting. When it hits 18, buy it all. Something big is going down. I want you to fill out the missing picture. Mr. Gecko, that's not exactly what I do. Where you can trade your honor. I could lose my license. That's inside information. For power. If you're not inside, you are outside. I want you with me, buddy. I'm with you, Gordon. Trade your peace of mind. Just the beginning, pal. If any trouble does arise, you are on your own. The trail does stop with you. For a piece of the action. A hundred million dollars, buddy. All it takes is a little inside information. I don't care where or how you get it. I think you owe me. And you can trade everything you believe in. He's using you, kid, but you're too blind to see it. For everything you've ever wanted. I get a strange call from the SEC. This is heavy, bud. Why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, Daryl Hannah, Martin Sheen, and Oliver Stone film Wall Street. Another Nokia discovery. If technology is difficult to learn or program, most people won't. It's why at Nokia we make wireless phones that are easy to use. Inspired technology with a human touch. Nokia. Connecting people. Our new steakhouse bacon cheeseburger with its smoked blend of processed Swiss and cheddar, bacon and sautéed onions in a steak sauce has turned Wendy's into a first-class steakhouse. Welcome to Wendy's. Table up front. Dig in. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. Hey, welcome back to Acid Wash Memories Retro Pop Culture Celebration. Thanks for connecting here to episode number 45. Yeah, thanks for hitting send or whatever. Yes, thank you very much. Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Quinn, before we get back into this here, I just want to remind everyone out there, please follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast. Join our Facebook group to talk about the old crap. And also, hey, if you don't mind on your podcatcher app, maybe it's on your phone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, could you leave us a review? Because we really would appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you can type the review with the one through nine. and Yeah, if you want to. You know, hit three buttons to hit Absolutely. C and all that. Yeah. See how that turns out. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for being with us here. Quinn, where we left off, we were in the 90s, talking about the 90s. We were mentioning how people were mainly using cell phones as the phone aspect, right? Like right. That, call, was, that was the draw. Call buddy like at work or a whatever. A phone in my pocket right. that I can call people anywhere. That's really all. It's actually a really solid product. Actually. Uh, like, it's not like stupid or anything. Hats off to Martin Cooper. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. He, he killed it with this, right? But one of the things that we mentioned is that they started to get more affordable. And because of that, people bought them. But Quinn... There is a bit of a, it's not a coincidence that they got affordable. Right. So when we say affordable, it's not like, it's not like the phone itself got more affordable. What happened is there was this period in the, in the mid nineties where they needed more cell phone users so that they could expand the network or they'd have a reason to have a right? reason to. Yeah. Right. I've always assumed there was some kind of government contracts involved here. 
you know, get this, get this many users and then we'll allow you to build the tower, you know, in yada, these yada, United States. yada, 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 right? Teamsters okay. involved? Anyway. Mm. So what the cell phone companies start doing, and I'm sure they still do it to this day because, you know, the price of your cell phone is not the real price of your cell phone, but this is all the way back in the 90s. They were either giving you your phone sure. for free. I remember those days. If you subscribed mm-hmm. or so they would give you your phone at a reduced price. Like 10 bucks. Yeah. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if it was like that dramatic. It could have been. I know sometimes it was like like a thousand dollar phone might be a hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like something like that. It was stupid. It was it was an insane discount. Buy an Ericsson, Motorola or Samsung phone. Some for only a penny. That's what got those cell phone into the, the pockets of everyone. Right, because Absolutely. it didn't seem feasible. Phones themselves, like if you saw what the retail price were, they were really expensive. Like yeah. no one would ever buy that. No, uh, Gordon Gecko would, but that's about it. But then you 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 see these Verizon stores pop up or whatever, yeah. and they'd be like, "Oh, hey, we'll just give you the phone free. Like just sign up or whatever." And the, the other interesting thing too, because we were part of this. You know, it's interesting when you grow up when technology is actually burgeoning and developing in a certain area. Uh, there's an element of implicit peer pressure, not explicit but in terms of hey i just got a phone if you get a phone then we we can can call and text each other and stuff right right? so that starts to come about also it happens with other technologies as well yeah it started to become like because the phones were so easy to get a hold of um it started to become like why do you not have a cell phone right Right. like it because the the companies went out of their way to make it super easy they knew the long game was they'll be subscribers forever, just like their telephones. Correct. Right? It was like that. That was the long game. And also, the, the good thing about the technology is it was easy to use. So they basically designed out and marketed out any excuse that the average consumer would have for not having one. Right. It wasn't too expensive anymore. It wasn't too complicated anymore. And it wasn't too niche or limited anymore. And on top of it, all of them, even in the 90s, they were still doing this as early as the 90s. They would show the maps just to make, oh, yeah, the coverage uh, maps. just to give you a surety that oh hey if you sign up don't worry like if you go like all over the, it's gonna work Davenport like, Iowa it is kind of a crazy thing that the the coverage map the fact that you had to have that as a cell phone company because people were like I don't know about this cell phone company right. the other one's map says they got everywhere like people thought about this shit right this is one hundred percent true it, it was a, a concern like I'm not gonna pay you a monthly fee if I'm out in the sticks where I need a cell phone and it doesn't work exactly right when, yeah you had to have that reassurance right? right you had to have consumer confidence and if you want to know why some people have spotty 3G coverage there's a map for that too. So with all these new people signing up, a larger network was certainly going to be needed. And throughout the 90s, another G was being worked on and was being developed. We needed more G. We needed three of the Gs, Quinn. Right. Uh, Now, to keep this simple, the main difference here is that packet switching is used instead of two Gs circuit switching. It's faster. Okay. Bottom line, it's faster. I mean, packet switching is what routers use. So exactly. We're getting more... Internet-y. It's just the internet. It's, right? it's becoming internet <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. Right? Uh, so we'll just leave it at that. But guess which country first test adopted it? Japan. Yes. 1998 and officially adopted 3G in 2001. And you know why I know this stuff? Well, because Japan's always ahead of the curve. But, but in the 90s, I specifically remember catching in like technology and electronic magazines that they would show you these cell phones from Japan and they were like way more sophisticated than the United States ones. Yes. We're talking like they had video games and stuff on them 
when the best we could do is centipede and it looks like crap <laughs> on my cell phone. Like they have like full video games on it. And I'm like, what the hell are You're these right, things? Though. Like, You're right. right. Like you see the Japanese ones and they'd always be like way better. Way better. Well, they had the 3G network to support it. Right. And the technology, they always had a head start on us. Uh, but in the United States of America, both AT&T and Verizon who are now wireless providers by this point in the early 2000s, uh-huh. they launched their 3G networks in 2002. If you want to know why your 3G coverage works so great on Verizon Wireless, there's a map for that. And this is probably the point where a lot of people are going to remember the very competitive cell phone ads beginning. Right. It was around the dawn of the 3G era, more because than anything. now it was like, okay, I feel like they hit critical mass. Now they were in the business of like, okay, now we just have to get over the last, we have to get everyone to have one. Like, right, right? like this is the last hump is the last, you know, older people, young people, like just first driving and stuff like that. College, like, going yeah, away college, to college. Like they focused on that. Like they would even make like little sectors of like, oh, if you're older, we'll give you like a senior disc. Like they just wanted anyone like if they, if you were a human being you had to have a cell phone right like that's absolutely true they, they give it to you a reduced price it didn't matter as long as you were like in the system yeah, come right? get a phone come get yeah, a phone we'll just give it to you. you get a number you get a phone you're good to go and now get this new motorola camera phone for just 49.99 but hurry this offer ends soon 1000 nationwide anytime minutes with rollover another reason singular fits you best And by this point that we're talking about, the early 2000s, most phones now had screens. That was standard now to have the screen. But it was usually just the numbers you were dialing, just to tell you, you're dialing this number. Yeah. It had a few other icons and crap. I mean, you could maybe do the simple texting. Depending on the phone you had, you might be able to do grainy pictures that were terrible. With Singular, take a picture, add a voice message. You ain't got no camera. Copy all your friends and you're only charged once. I do remember another feature is some cell phones would have antennas and others would not. And usually yes. you want the one with antenna just in case you were like in a situation where like it was necessary. I remember the antenna. I, my when. first one had one and so I got mine. it because it had the antenna. I got the Kyocera model. I had a Kyocera also. Because I was like, well, Kyocera. you know, like sometimes the signal will be shitty. And if you, the antenna would actually help. Yeah. Like you'd be like, okay, good. I have the antenna. Like, and you could lower it and it would it'd still it work a, either way. But like, yeah. yeah. That was a piece of shit, that phone, but I loved it in 2002. <laughs> oh, that, I, I love that stupid phone too. Buy a Kyocera V5 Star MTV slider and get a Best Buy instant gift card. Let us know your first cell phone, actually, whether it was an iPhone, whether it was a Kyocera, whether you had a a very famous phone that we'll talk about shortly. Uh, let us know at AWM Podcast on like, Twitter. I feel like the Kyocera was popular amongst young people because it was cheap. As it was shit. very cheap. It was it was the cheapest, but it was also compact and it was I, tiny. If you were especially guys, because women had purses, but guys like you, it fit in your pocket. It, like, very it, it actually fit in your pocket, and you could get a prepaid plan with that one right. as well, which I believe I had. It's a very popular phone. It was. Uh, some of these phones even had very rudimentary internet, and we're talking about an era that is pretty much a bygone era where <laughs> there were specific markup languages for mobile internet. Quinn. It was fucking hideous. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. Like if you no, wanted, be honest, please. if you wanted to go to Google, it was, <laughs> it was it, you were going to have a hard time, right? Like it was terrible. Like it just nothing worked. It was like, really it, it, bad. The, the, you didn't know if a page was going to load. It was awful. It was a crapshoot. And, and what's worse is that I feel like they, they, they were like trying to like stick to their whatever standard and the screens kept getting bigger because then like remember when the razor came out and the screen was kind of bigger in yeah. it 
Like the Razer was another phone. If you don't know, yeah. it was like a, a very popular model because it was really thin, right? Yes. And it folded, but even when it folded, it wasn't fat. But it had a big screen too. It did. The new Razer, only from Singular. But it still had this like ancient ass the mobile fucking web. mobile web crap. Like the best thing on it probably was email. Yeah, that was one of the things that came about was email. Right, because that, uh, you don't really need like a, as long as you can read it on the screen, like it doesn't matter. It's not like a web page, right? No, it's just text, right? Right, yeah. Another thing that had come about parallel to cell phones was the PDAs, and I'm not, not talking about public displays of affection. Uh, that's enough. Of course, personal digital assistance. Yes. Yeah, so this was, I would say, the first smart devices, if you will. This was like a Palm style, Palm Pilot style. And oh God, I'm saying Palm Pilot like people know what the hell that is. What is like, a Palm Pilot, Quinn? Okay, so <laughs> back, in, my back day. in the early like phone age or whatever, yes. there was like people had already thought of like, what if the whole thing was a screen, right? <laughs> like they yeah. thought of this already, but yes. like the technology was butt. Like it was terrible. <laughs> So it was kind of like, you remember those like Amazon like reader things? Kindles. Yeah, the Kindles. It was like that ink style. Yes. Like almost like a Tiger Electronics game, <laughs> but just like a phone. Like it was shit. It but, was pretty shit. But what was cool about it is that it did work with a stylus pen. It was touchscreen. Yes, it was. And um, Some of them were. You could see, like even as a kid, I could see how this might be a future phone, but the technology wasn't there. Correct. Right? Like, it made sense. Because this thing was less... This didn't... This wasn't a phone. Yeah. PDAs were not initially phones. They were this little device you would have. Eventually, they incorporated cell phones Yeah, eventually, I, what I recall happening with them is, like, the Palm Pilot had, like, two models. Like, you could get, like, the regular one. Yep. But then there was one that had, like, the phone icon. It would actually, like... You could make phone you calls. You could make on. phone calls on it. Exactly. Right. Windows, email, internet. The power of a computer in the palm of your hand. It was used as kind of a personal organizer. You know, it had a calendar. Right. You could do email if you were connected to some kind of network. A lot of the basic features that the phones today have. Yep. But back then, with a screen like this, with yep. a touch screen, with a stylus, I mean, this was like whoa, okay, like, now we can, like, start to, like, do something with this little thing, right? Exactly. Like, like, this was a step in the right direction, but it wasn't all the way there yet. It wasn't all the way there. And but it was a really good idea. It was. And another one, uh, again, parallel that was being developed was the IBM Simon hmm. in the mid-'90s. This was an inverse concept, meaning this was designed as a cell phone that added the capabilities that PDAs would later have. Right. It didn't get a lot of market share. Nobody fucking had yeah. this thing. But it is widely considered to be the first true smartphone. Right. The IBM Simon, because it had fax capability, fax, uh, email. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Calendar, calculator, notepad, all the crap in the feel, apps that you don't use on your phone. Personally, I feel like what separated smartphones from regular phones is they've all had computers in them. Yes. But they had like computers that could take actual input, not just what you dial. Like you could run computer programs on them. Correct. Does that make sense? Rather than the only program being I can dial the phone. I mean, there like, was even, remember Palm Pilot had Palm OS, like they right. had operating systems. Right. On, they on they actually things. had like, fu like it was a functional computer. 100%. But as far as the regular cell phones of this time, we would be remiss if we did not mention perhaps the most famous of its era, the iconic, the enduring Nokia 
3310. Connect before June 30 and you can pick up a brand new mobile phone for zero dollars, like the Nokia 3310 on a $25 mobile plan. This thing was ubiquitous. I mean, it's a tank, baby. Yeah, this, you could drop it. I, I tons of people had this, and I think it's a, it's just a very simple design, and it got the job done. It's a tiny little phone, right? Right. I, and that was, you know, here's the thing: is a lot of business people, you know, I can understand it, right? Like they were really looking for more features, but a lot of kids who were just getting a phone, so that, you know, like their parents could like make sure they weren't like broken down on the side of the road or right, whatever, yeah, yeah. like. You know, they didn't want something really conspicuous that, like, because it looked like you were on, like, a leash or something because, you know, your parents can, like, check on you or whatever. Some kids really were on a leash. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, maybe, possibly. But this thing was great because you could stick it in your pocket. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like, it's like, I have a cell phone, like, just in case I need it, but nobody knows I have it. And it did the things that you needed it to do. Right. Now, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, the Nokia, have you ever seen a meme about how these things were indestructible? It's not, it's pretty much not that far off from the truth, this phone. Well, I mean, that, that, that look, you can tell by the design, right? It's, it's rugged. Like, it's rugged. Like, and honestly, that was very, like, a, a good feature back then. Yeah. Because people God, would yeah. drop these things all the time. Yeah. Cell phones got dropped all the time. Yeah. yeah. Calls get dropped and cell phones get dropped. I'm going to drop you if you don't shut the phone. So, as the G technology increased, right, with 3G, the demand for more features on the phones themselves did as well. So finally, the idea, which was already in existence since the Simon, to combine the aspects of the PDA with the standard telephony aspect, mm -hmm. it converged with the smartphone. That's where we're at right now. The true smartphone. The true smartphone. But Japan, Japan. I mean, they were already kind of doing it anyway. In 2002, they released the Danger Hip Top, which would uh, re be rebranded here as the Sidekick. Yes. Remember the Sidekick? Oh my God, the I wanted a Sidekick so Remember bad. the Sidekick, man? The Sidekick was so cool. The T-Mobile Sidekick. Unlimited servers for 30 bucks. This was like the future. I remember seeing the commercial for that. I thought it was such a cool idea. It looked like a cell phone, but then a, like a keyboard would like fold out of it. Yeah, it looked like a phone, and then he pushed the screen up, and you have a full QWERTY keyboard. And under not there. to mention a color screen. Yes, the like, yes, there were color screens. Uh, like this thing, everyone wanted this. It was kind of pricey compared to the other it cell was, phones. Yeah. It was like, do I want to invest in this? Or like, is there going to be a better one or right. something? Like, that was the thing is these phones were moving so fast. Like, it was like every couple months there was like some new design or something. Like I said, the Razor and all that. There, This was a period of time because nowadays phones are pretty. They're like, all the same. They're almost all the same. It's very homogenized. But this was a time, though, where you were watching television because people did that back then. Yeah. Still 20 years ago. And you would just see constantly new commercials. The new Motorola ass kicker. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and you'd be like, a lot of them, like, what was cool about it is I felt like almost engineers were just throwing out ideas and like yeah. just people they were seeing which ones like stuck like which ones did people like and which ones did they not like all different designs all different functionalities and features but the sidekick i thought was notable because of the keyboard because texting was starting to pick up that's the one thing yeah it was starting to pick up and you were limited to your three character you know input it, it was hideous it like, was it such was, a pain in the balls but you were like you could get fast at but, it for especially for high school kids, it was a really cool, like a, a nice way to communicate, like discreetly. Oh, I did trust me. Yeah, and so Many like, a night. and they knew. I think they picked up on the younger people, like the texting aspect. 
Yes. And that's why Those that's why kids the, on their damn phones. That's why the sidekick existed, but then there was the more professional version, right? Yes. So a company that had primarily done pagers uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, it released its first smartphone in 2002, the BlackBerry 5810. A smartphone that takes a completely new approach to the keyboard problem. Now, the BlackBerry is definitely a better sidekick. Let's just say it right now, Oh, God, right? yeah. This was a phenomenon. It had, like, an OS and, like, all this shit, right? What it primarily got really popular with was businessmen, but on top of it, you know what I thought was always the unique thing? And I always used to hear this on, like, reports about politics, politicians, like, and, and like, senators and their aides and stuff. The BlackBerry was very notable. Everyone had this thing in D.C., this was very closely associated with the Beltway for some reason. And not only that, it carried over into the entertainment field. A lot of executives and a lot of right. celebrities really started to pick up on these as well. Right, because it, it was just enough. Like, right, it lets you send email. You can compose email because you have a keyboard. Full keyboard, yep. Right. Internet capability, texting, multimedia, even video. And a phone. And a phone. Don't forget the phone. Calendar, all the features that you would want. Everything you would need on a very simple, that, you know, you would generally do on a PC. Yeah. Like, right, uh, uh, probably what these aides did on a PC. Correct. Like, all their functions, obviously not, like, you can't make advanced spreadsheets or anything. But, no. like, you know, when you're on the go, when you're a politician going across the country... This is like a perfect use case device. Absolutely. Right? It's like, it's awesome. You could answer email. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You could answer professional emails right. from this thing on the road anywhere. However, despite the sidekick, despite the BlackBerry, there was about to be a paradigm shift from the actual full keyboards mm -hmm. and these more tech businessy looking devices, right? I would say there's a device on the horizon that just combines all of this in one and is 100 times better. <laughs> it is a streamlined design yeah. visually, right? It's ingenious. But first, remember Apple? Yeah, Apple. Remember that company? Remember how they sucked in the 90s they and did. like they just nothing was good since like the Macintosh? Macintosh and they had the iMac at the tail end of the 90s. They so I should that yeah, was I, re revival. I should rephrase. Let's just go back a little bit here, right? Apple was a company founded by Steve Jobs. Yes. And then they, the ki 80s, they kicked 70s. him out because he spent too much money or whatever the fuck. Started right? his own company for a while. He started his own company and next, not NXT, next. And then Apple was like, we want Steve Jobs back. We'll just buy next. Just come work for yes. us again, right? So, okay, Steve Jobs is back. He fucking gets rid of all the shitty products. That was like his day one thing. Yes. Like, he's like, all this stuff, it sucks. Like, right. it has to go. And he, like, relaunched the, the Mac as the iMac. Yep, the first product, I believe, that used the iBranding. Yeah, and it was super popular yep. because it was a streamlined design. It was just a monitor. That was also know, the computer. That was also the computer, which that was kind of like what the Macintosh was to begin with. But it had the this kind of... Um, it had this, like, colors to it. So it had, like, a personality to it. So people were like, it looked good in their house. Translucent colors yeah, and stuff. Yeah, people wanted this thing. It looked neat. Well, there's a computer that makes it so easy. You're up and running in 10 minutes, and you're still yourself. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk in that language. You have a computer, but you're not a computer person. Relax. So then Steve Jobs' next thing is the iPod. What the fuck is an iPod, right? A thousand songs in your pocket. A thousand songs in your pocket. iPod. A thousand songs in your pocket. Blows everyone's mind, right? Because... Holy shit, that's crazy. Yep. Okay, so then they start working on a phone. There was like rumblings, I remember on the internet, like Apple's making a phone. People were not sure about it. Like Apple's never made a phone. They make computers. This right? is true. 
So and BlackBerry, by the way, was so popular right. in this and, period of and time. And people were kind of like, "How? What, what is this? What do we need this for?" And I think also, people are like, "Apple's really going to release a thing with a, like this crappy screen, like a phone, right? right like right. that was this whole thing, right?" Okay, so they do this press conference to show off this thing. Right? June 29th, two thousand seven, and Steve Jobs gets on the stage, and he shows this thing that's just a slab of glass and one button. One button. One button, okay? But the way he introduces it was ingenious. He says, first, we got a new iPod, and this is what it looks like. The first one is a widescreen iPod with touch controls. But also, it's a phone. Second is a revolutionary mobile phone. But also, it can do email and internet. And the third is a breakthrough internet communications device. And I'll tell you what, he fucking opened the web browser and I was like, that's it, that's it, right. that's fucking it. Like, that is what I wanted. It was regular internet. It, he was like, it's regular, and he like starts scrolling <laughs> through it and he, he starts showing like pinching and stuff. Oh, and that by the way, insane. it's got a camera on it. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he starts taking pictures and he's like, oh, and when you take the pictures, you can just put them in your emails and send them to each other. This was mind blowing. Like, folks, all of this, like, oh, and you could do, while you're doing all this, you could listen to the Beatles. Right? <laughs> it's like, it was like insane. It was like watching like fucking magic or something like on the screen. Like, I could not believe that this was a real thing that I was seeing on my screen. This became... We know the iPhone, right? right. And, and I want I want to disclaim this. I know some people are like very loyal to Android, right? And like Apple or not, you don't have to like Apple. This did set the industry standard in terms of features, Absolutely. UI, etc. Like it did. Yes. In 2009, two years later, Samsung's Galaxy, the first Galaxy, came out, an Android right. device. It's very similar, though. But let's touch a little bit more on the iPhone yeah, because I think I think it's important. What was like just in like the first one? Please do. That's right. It has the email. Yep. It has the phone. It's got the internet. It's yep. got the iPod. It had maps. It did. It, it had, had GPS. A GPS in the thing. You know those Garmin things. Yep. Those were really expensive. Yes. They well, were. I don't need that anymore. It's in your phone now. It has a text messaging program, which, okay, I have no buttons. How do I use that? Oh, like all this stuff is f like the first time, right? You pull up the, he pulls up the text messaging, a keyboard comes up on the screen and, and I can touch keyboard. it, a it's full keyboard and I can type. Yep. Perfect. Right. It's got weather. It's got a camera. It, you can look through your photos. It's, it's got all the like basic stuff, like a calendar a and a calculator, Notepad. like all, like all of the things you'd ever need. And it has YouTube, by the way, just yeah. like on the side. Which is established by 07. Yeah. It started in 04 or 05. So, I mean, I mean, this is, again, if you... And Quinn and I were fortunate, I guess, to grow up when all of this was happening. So, we remember when our parents or grandparents got their first cell phones. And we remember what they were. And we remember... And they stunk. Yeah, we remember our first Kyocera cell phones, yeah. right? I remember the Nokia and friends had this, different this, different that. When this came out, it really was a game changer. Like, it truly was a big deal right for many people and it was user-friendly so it was like they didn't, even, they didn't even have trouble like getting people who had other cell phones to switch because they were like oh i know how to use my cell phone i'm not going to switch to that yeah no it's like 
everything just looks like intuitive. You use your fingers. You like, use your fingers. I mean, how much closer can you get to it? Right. Than using your finger. You don't need a stylus. And I think the photos really touch something. Um, like there's a weird marketing thing going on in that press conference where he they're just showing pictures of people with their kids and stuff. The idea that you could touch the photo and zoom in and yep. it was like touching people's heartstrings. They were like I want to do that. Yeah. Like, I want to have photos of my kids. And you could change the background to be a photo of your kid. Sure. Like, they thought of all the, like, little things that get people to, like, I have a use for that. Absolutely. But not only that, you think about how, believe me, if you ever looked through people's Facebooks, maybe your own out there, what did they used to do for pictures in the mid, up to, up to the mid, late 2000s? You'd carry around a digital camera, right? Yeah. A separate device. You probably still had a cell phone mm-hmm. in 2006, 2007. Yeah. But you also, hey, I'm going to this party. Got to bring my camera. Then you got to get home and you got to take your SD card or however you hook it up to your computer. Yeah. Dump all those pictures. Put them on Facebook. Leave them public for 15 years and forget about it until people find it when you're looking for a job. You know, now all your embarrassing pictures are can be private in your phone at your convenience. And you can email them if you want. If you want to, or post them, or whatever you want to do. And they were even smart enough, and this, I think, is overlooked, but the idea that they had a software application in iTunes that all you do is you plug the phone into your computer, and it just detects it, and it lets you move your music on, and take your photos off of it, like, do all this dumb shit, like, whatever this you can do with this when you connect it to a computer... You can do it like right away. The program detects it and it just works. I know iTunes got like real shitty later on or whatever. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Back then, this was crazy. And the other thing to consider, because this might have been confusing messaging at the time. It might have even been for me. Is I thought, oh, iPhone, that's uh, Apple. So this will only work if I have a Mac because I didn't. No, iTunes is on Windows. They were smart enough. Yeah, that was another thing too. They got They had the Windows version out. Yeah. Right when the iPhone was out. Yes. They knew. They knew. Right? They, it, this was such a departure, too, for Apple to do something that was like, no, it played nice with everything. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter what you, what kind of computer system you used. It just worked. Yeah. If Again, if you're an Android fan, we're not, we're, this is, we're not getting paid by Apple to do this. We're just historically saying that this phone, when it came out, did shift everything. It did change the gestalt, if you will, of the cell phone scene and the smartphone scene. I would say like what was interesting about it to me besides the cell phone aspect, it somehow went a step beyond. Does that make sense? It was it was a game changing product, not just a game changing cell phone. Does that make sense? That one hundred percent makes sense. I think that's well said, Quinn, because this wasn't just the next phone. Right. This became for better or for worse, you know, right. a, a personal attachment device for many people. It still is. But it allowed for convenience that had been unheard of probably, with this type of technology. Probably truly personal computing is probably a great description truly of it. Truly personal computing. Uh, it definitely changed everyone's bathroom breaks. Oh, I'll yeah. That much. I'll tell you what. I remember when I first got one. No more I, reading the shampoo bottle. So I was in college. This thing was, exp- it wasn't super expensive, but it was expensive. Relative, yes. I saved all my money and I was like, I need this. I saw the video on the internet and I was like, I can't believe this. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, I can go on the internet while I'm taking a shit. This is great. That's right? what you always wanted. Right. Perfect. Ever since we were kids. Right. I, I was just waiting. I would, you know, I'd type and I'd be like, man, when I got to take a shit, I can't be on the internet. This sucks. Right. So now I can do that. No, but seriously, like, <laughs> 
not just that. You can watch keyboard like, cat while you pee. Yeah, it was amazing. It really was kind of crazy, right? It's like, true. Like it really was insane. It really was, and um, there's a lot that could be said, and we're not going to about what the the evolution of the iPhone generations and competitors like uh, Galaxy, you know, Android devices, and the consequences of of the, a product this accessible of this and ma- yeah. yeah, like. This didn't just change cell phones, it changed computers, it changed the internet. It, it changed, changed human behavior. It, it changed a lot of things. It did. In some ways for the better in terms of connectivity with people. Yes. Ease of certain things that used to be very difficult. Now you can order food very quickly. You can do a lot of things very quickly that you it, never could. It changed the dynamic of the cell phone too because to me it connected it properly to the internet. And what I mean by that yep. is for example in an email or if on a on a website there was a phone number they were smart enough that if you tap the phone number it would dial it automatically From your phone, on yeah. your cell phone yeah. it was like these sound like basic things but they just didn't exist that was an iOS thing right any phone number that was typed anywhere yep. it would automatically convert it to a pressable yeah phone number that you could call, call. add to contacts whatever right. You know, it made contacts easier. Here's a thing that nothing had because they worked on it with AT&T. I, I've watched the press conference. What is that? Voicemail that you could delete and manage and like yeah. actually like fast forward and pause Very, and shit. Yeah, because it's just like an audio they file. Called, it was called visual voicemail when yeah. Apple launched it, but that didn't exist. No, that's true too. Because that, that was one, there was a menu and you could go through the voice. On a cell phone before, oh you used God. to have to listen to all the voicemails <laughs> and you'd have to press this button to delete it like yeah. after you listen to it yeah like this thing lets you just go through them and press them like they were like audio files pause them if you yeah. want to another thing to mention here again just in brief terms is as the decade turned i'm talking about from the first decade of the 2000s to the 2010s 3g uh, became 4g mm-hmm. also known as lte right this was an all ip system rather than packet switching so now right. we're really like this is the internet now yeah, it was just straight up the internet. It, now it's just the. This is like insanely faster so than 3G. What was f- crazy about that is sometimes it would be faster than your home internet. Yeah, which like was on your like it was just like what? unfathomable. That said a lot to me about how the industry started to realize how internet usage was starting to happen. Mm. That it, people were not sitting at their PCs anymore; they were sitting on their iPhones or That's their true. Android phones, or maybe their iPad. Right. It's interesting that the priority became we have to make the cell phone network faster no, who gives a shit about, about the, the regular internet, yeah. yeah like that really like you said this phone and the adoption of the overall ui by other companies mm-hmm. okay we're not shitting on other products here but i mean can we be honest android lets you do a lot of stuff it's really cool i get it but it's it's a derivative of this yeah and that's is not, it not it's not a bad thing yes that's yeah, not like an it's embarrass- not a bad thing. It's not yeah. an embarrassing yeah. thing. It, no one's saying that one's better than the other or whatever. You like what you like. Yeah, Apple just they did it first. That's it. You can't make up who's first. Right. Like they just were first. The <laughs> only reason personally that I have an iPhone is because I happened my first smartphone after my work BlackBerry yeah. uh, was an iPhone. Right. So twelve. How long am I? Eleven, twelve years. 
I have no reason to switch over. Yeah, so, all your stuff is in the yeah, system. Yeah, so like whatever. Android does the same. They all realize yeah. that we have to keep a, a way to keep them they in, pe- into it or whatever. They peacefully coexist as far yeah, as I'm concerned. They do. It's fine. But some of the fallout of this, not negative fallout necessarily, but some of the things that happened you know, throughout the 2010s decade was all the phone companies started to get streamlined, consolidated, pared down, right? Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile were the big players for a long time. Uh, the advertising, we said, at first was very competitive. Remember, can you hear me now? Yeah. Network coverage, all that stuff. It's about the phone. Right. But then the marketing switched to how many texts can you send? Yeah. How much data are you allowed to send? Right. Right? Like, that became the priority, not the phone. Yes. The phone became a feature that was part of the product. Part of the product, right. Coverages, you know, used to be touted. Now they don't need to be because everything's covered pretty much anywhere. You can be yeah. like anywhere and you have mm-hmm. service. And because of that, everything kind of became standardized, homogenized. I guess at this point, you know, like most people now, the the commodity is most people use a smartphone with one of these carriers. One of these smartphones might be Android, might be Apple, and they pay for it. Right. That's just like a way of life now. And it is the, the other side effect is the fall of the landline. Right, which we had talked because about. Because when we were talking about this at the beginning... It was kind of like an accessory to the landline, right? Because it couldn't do everything. Now it can do more than a regular phone. It could literally do almost it could everything be, more. This could, I mean, like if you really think about it, right? What's wild? Say your computer broke. Say your telephone broke. Yep. You had nothing else but this. Mm-hmm. It can do all the things both of those things can do. Yeah. That's how far we've like come with it. This little device that, in your pocket. This thing that could get 30 minutes talk time and like it just had buttons on it and did nothing else. Martin Cooper's brainchild, yeah. And the and the reception sucked and yada yada. <laughs> it did. Like, you know, like prepaid phones still exist, you know, feature phones they call yeah. the ones without screens, budget and tech friendly ones for people that just need them to make calls, but really the smartphone has changed the cellular phone. From simply a remote calling device mm-hmm. into a chunk of our lives and the way we live our lives, yeah. for better or for worse. And it's like you said, it became so standard that it wasn't called smartphone, cell phone. It wasn't called a different kind. It was just the phone. It's just your phone. This is my phone. Where's your phone? And the expectation is my phone can go on the internet, too. Yeah. And, like that's, and read email and like listen to music and shit. That's all normal now. Yeah. Take pictures, take video, Shoot like a professional video on it if you want yeah, to. Yeah, that that that's a whole other discussion. Whole is thing. like how like the camera was such a, a like a big feature yep. that they went insane with it. Yep. And like some of them are better now, than now like. Now it's a selling point. Yeah, now it's like oh, how good is the camera? Yeah, right. It's like but the phone is like incidental at this point. People need their apps. They need their Twitter yeah. or their X and their Instagram exists. and TikTok. I think it's taken for granted. Honestly, the phone. Do you? I do. I think the that's it's like the weird meta to it all, but like the the actual calling yeah. is taken for granted because Most some people, people ignore calls. Well, the other <laughs> thing is some people use FaceTime or like that's true, um, or WhatsApp or WhatsApp or they yeah they use a different app to call. Maybe they'll use Facebook Messenger in the calling feature. Yeah, like people slide into someone's DMs, Discord, or like they'll yeah. use a data based calling. Yes, correct. um, Instead of the actual cell phone system. The telephony. That's built in, that they're paying for, by the way. Yeah, that (laughs) they are paying for. But yeah, I mean, like, it does everything now. Pictures, videos, you could do work. It's got the internet. The damn internet is all on your phone. Uh, Of course, podcasts are as well. Podcasts, yes. Uh, That's why we're here. Everything that was involved with this launch product down to 
podcasts, songs, iTunes, you know, buy music, the internet, email, texting, phone, YouTube. Yeah. Every single thing that was touched by the version one iPhone blew up. That's how like influential this thing was. That's how big this thing is. Yeah, I like, agree with you. It was that the GPS. We we always forget about the GPS. That's a big, is like that's insanely a huge deal. Like like I still can't believe that that was in the first one. Again, the genius of it was like we need to partner with Google. They made the default search engine Google. Yep. Yeah, the maps thing is a big deal, especially if you remember the days of atlases in your car or yeah. printing map quest directions map quest, and yeah. trying to read them. Mm-hmm. Pain in the balls. But it is interesting that what began innocently as a way to call someone from, let's say, your Oldsmobile has evolved into, for most people, a near invaluable, irreplaceable device, a can't-live-without commodity. It decorates people's days and in some ways defines their lives. I truly believe that if they said tomorrow that, hey, the whole cell, every cell phone's going to cost $1,000, people would pony up. That's how like necessary it's become. It's crazy. Right? It's almost a utility because it's so ingrained in our culture. Yeah. Uh, it definitely has its positives. It certainly has its negatives. Uh, but one thing's for sure, Michael Quinn, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. No. And I'm sure, obviously, different products come along, yep. blah, blah, blah. Maybe yep. one day they'll have a, a itemless phone. Like, it's just, I don't know, your <laughs> eyes see a phone. Whatever. Somebody will figure out something. <laughs> On that note. With t- I mean, <laughs> nobody ever foresaw the fact that a phone would turn into a a full-fledged computing device, I don't think. That's a good right? point, like, That's a very good point. Um, so who who knows what the future holds? So I don't knows? want to ever say that nothing, like, because people thought, like, what's ever going to replace the phone company? I guess that's true, but Ma Bell broke up, right? Yeah. And that all changed. Folks, we hope nobody uh, replaces us on your days here. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the history of cell phones here on Acid Wash Memories. Let us know what your first phone was, whether you like Apple or Android. We don't really care. You don't have to get into that. It debate, doesn't matter. Let us know your cell phone stories. Maybe your parents had one. Did you have like an 80s one or did you know somebody? Did your dad? Did your mom? Did your aunt or uncle? Did you know Gordon Gecko? Just kidding. Uh, please let us know on Twitter. It was in jail when the iPhone came out. <laughs> yeah. At AWM Podcast. Join our Facebook group and please leave us a review. But we will be back next week for something completely different. Until that time, I'm Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. We'll see you next week for more Acid Washed Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.